podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome along to your Friday night Rangers rabble. Uh, I'm in the hot seat tonight, uh, as you're probably aware. I'm Wilf. I've been thrown in as the uh, last minute host because Stu's been held up somewhere. With me tonight, we've got I've got Graham. Good evening, Graham. How are you? All good, mate. All good. Uh, it's good to be on a podcast with you, Wilf. It's been a while, so looking forward to it. It has indeed. Yeah, nice to see you got back from Manchester in one piece last night. Uh, it was a, a long day yesterday, uh, and also. With me, with us tonight is James. James, nice to nice to meet you. Good to have you along. Ah, uh, thanks very much, guys. Obviously, it's the first time I'm getting to meet the two of you, so uh, it's good to um, go on and obviously see new faces. Right. Okay. So let's uh, obviously welcome all everybody in the uh, in the comments. Uh, first thing, the first thing I see is Caroline. So we're playing injuries again. We'll get to that, Caroline. Um, but yeah, that just seems to be the way of it, unfortunately. Although that might, I think. Personally, I think the injuries might be quite strategic. Um, first thing I need to bring up is uh, Sasha the Doug and Mon the Apple away, which won a, f- a fair few people a lot of money at uh, at Aintree today. It's my my mate's got a a little a little bit of that horse, and he said it's running through on sixteen to one. Thanks very much. We'll have a bit of that. So that was quite nice. So thanks for that, Sasha. But uh, anyway, on with the. The Rangers. Don't forget, folks. Um, if you don't already, if you don't already subscribe, get the subscription button hit. Uh, like the podcast, share it if you're if you're if you're watching it on Twitter, Facebook, all that. We've also got the Patreon that we're um, we're trying to get a lot more members for. Loads and loads of content on Patreon. Um, we've got EPL shows, which Graham's quite heavily involved in. That's quite Man United heavy right enough, so that's not really my cup of tea. But anyway, um, there's there's Who Are You shows that I do. There's um, all sorts of all sorts of good stuff. There's Mel wishing us a good evening from sunny, sunny Dundee. We won't, we won't mention that game earlier that our son was playing in. I believe he should have been sent off, but that's another story. Uh, so, Graham, Ross Wilson, now Director of Football Operations at Nottingham Forest, discuss. I'll go back to the start uh, with Ross Wilson. I was very excited when we appointed him. I must admit, I'm not going to change history on that. Uh, he came with a good reputation and... I thought I was kind of looking forward to. It. I thought he spoke well uh, in his interviews at the beginning, and I watched previous interviews when he was at Falkirk and uh, Huddersfield, and forgot the other team actually who it was. But uh, he spoke well. He seemed to knew what he was doing. Uh, he always kind of planned ahead. He always made a, a big emphasis on he liked to forward plan. So I was very excited when we appointed him. Uh, also, it kind of went well at the beginning. Uh, we had a good transfer window with Roof and all the kind of players coming in and we won the league title. So that was great and everything, the future looked bright. But since then, I don't know if it's all due to him or the, the club as a whole or budgets, but it's kind of went downhill. His transfer uh, rate is, in my opinion, plummeted. I started to notice and worry about wee things I was hearing and some like the Aaron Ramsey one, for example, when he, he was all over the pictures and the, the videos. And taking credit for that, and then when uh, signings don't go very well, he's nobody to be seen on the statements and stuff like that. So I'm quite I'm happy we can go kind of take a fresh approach now, and hopefully do the Jadelins and get a, the proper uh, director of football in, one that I think can take us on forward. Yeah, it was a bit, bit of a mixed bag with Ross Wilson. There's uh, door on tour Forest fan here. What's Ross Wilson like then? Um, that's one of the contention. If you look at our, our message boards and, and Rangers Twitter, it's um, I think the Rangers support in general is quite glad he's no longer with us. Um, as Graham, as Graham said there, um, he had an okay start. My problem with him is uh, that he tended to sign players with, with a, a history of injury and. James, you've got to think if a player like a Kamar Roof is perennially injured at Anderlecht, he's going to be perennially injured at Rangers. And it's the same, you know, same with guys like Philip Philip Hill, that he would never have been at Rangers. 
Um, you know, had he not had a history, a, 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 an injury record like he had. And the thing that really, really got to me about um, Ross Wilson, what, what will be his legacy for me, is the fact that we've got, we're looking at seven or eight players going out of contract in this summer. Surely, as director of football operations, whether or not he said he wasn't involved in the transfers, if he wasn't, fair enough. But surely contracts lay on his lap. So why were so many players, particularly key players, going out of contract at the same time? That's that's one of the major things, you know. You're you're supposed to get these tied up, you know. We we let an evil go out the door and all who only the years left in a contract left. Um, that for me was a, a letting him run his contract down because I think I believe he, he's still worth more than six million pound for what we actually got for him. Um, but I I agree, it's 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 been a mixed bag. I think I know he obviously got a fair few quid in for Bassey. Um, Patterson and things like that, but I think he's, I think the bad certainly outweighs the good. Yeah, Graham, I think, um, you know, I think James has got a point there. The you know the bad does it does outweigh the good. Um, I mean, the encouraging thing for me that, that he did was that um, when when Mark Allen was here, we just seemed the players that didn't fit in, we just seemed to pay them off and just say, right, there's your contract, go away and find a club. Ross Wilson didn't seem to do that. Um, okay, as I say, we've got players running out of contract, but he got he did get money for. I mean, he managed to get money for Jack Simpson. You know, that's that's got to be an achievement in itself. Yeah, and I believe he got money as well for the uh, one Alagira as well, who only had loan spells, never made a first team appearance. So I believe they made money on him. Uh, it's it's why they ones so we were talking just before we came on that uh, the transparency of his role. That was a big thing for me. For me, a sport director's got to be in charge of everything involving first team, uh, youth academy and women's team. And like you said, we've never heard what his actual job, if he was in control of that. He came out and said that he wasn't in charge of transfers. But for me, a sport director puts, hires the scouts and the data analyst team to go and make the signings. So he's got to get the right people in. So the question for me then would be, has he got the right people in? We know we really stand scoring from his contract. Did we replace him? Uh, we've got John Park, but we heard we hired him, but we never heard anything about him after that. So was he is he started yet? Is he? We don't know anything. So for me, Ross Wilson, if he came out and done maybe at least four interviews a year, maybe explained a few decisions in the past two, three months, etc., that would help the club and the fans connect a wee bit better. But for me, yeah, the, James. when you were saying there about the the contracts running out. For me, a sport director's got to be ruthless and we've got to have a, a trigger value for each player. And then if that's met them a couple of hours, the league we play in, the, the budgets we've got, we need to make full uh, use of getting money in for our players. So for me, he should have a, a value on every player. If that's met, then we need to sell and then uh, reinvest in the team. And that's how we can move and improve going forward. Yeah, James Graham makes a good makes a good point there that um, that Ross Wilson we, didn't, we never heard from him we didn't know what his role was. I mean, we were saying before we came on air that we found out more in the last thirty six hours about the parameters of his role as director of football or director of football operations or whatever the hell it was they called him than we ever did in his time with us. Now, to me, that's um, that's indicative of the whole. The whole hierarchy of our club, really, because there's nothing. But they don't tell us anything. I mean, I would put that down to the, the now departed chairman, because he didn't really come out and say very much. You know, Douglas Park wasn't one for wasn't one for speaking. Uh, I mean, they said uh, in the summer that they'd be a bit more transparent. And John Bennett came out and did did a two part interview that we've only ever seen the first part of on Rangers TV, which is quite which is quite telling in itself. Um, do you think, as Graham says, it would help if we actually knew what the parameters of the director of football's job was going forward? I mean, is he is he in, in charge of everything? Does he actually have any input in the transfers? Or like he says, he didn't sign players, and if he didn't sign players, why was he, why was he sitting on Aaron Ramsey's shirt tail when he joined us? Exactly, exactly that. It's, I think it's it's like you know anything in life. It's open up to the Rangers fans, tell us exactly what's going on, and the Rangers fans will back you no matter what, just tell us exactly what's going on within the club, what what Ross Wilson's job was, you know, but as you said, we didn't know if he was signing players, um, 
was he going out and, you know, looking at players, recommending players towards Bill or Gerard or Gio. Um, but for me, I, it's just a case of, he's telling us exactly what he was meant to have been doing. And I think it's now, it's vitally important now that we do get the next one correct. Because it's, if no, it's going to take a long, long time to get back to actually getting, you know, good players, not, not even just good players, great players to come into the club to help us to get back to where we actually belong. So, Graham, as James says here, we need to get the next appointment right. So, do you think that we should continue with the director of football role? Should we, should we go back down that role or should we should we maybe re reanalyse where we are, come at it at a different angle or what do you think we should do from here? I think it's a problem with all British clubs, to be honest. I don't think they use the director of football or sporting director or whatever you want to call it eh, properly the way the Europeans do. That person, for me, has got to be in charge and kind of forward planning. So they've got to set a philosophy on the club that they want to play. And then they hire a manager that plays that philosophy. They hire the scouting and data analyst team that get players that fit that philosophy. And then there's a higher turnover, or there should be, of managers. And that's why the director of football is there. Because he, he can be long term. And then uh, the clubs kind of can look at a 10-year spell type thing. But... I don't think if we're going to use it properly, then yes, I'd like to hire a director of football to come in. But if it's just going to be kind of a, a job getting paid, we know we don't know what he's doing or he doesn't come out and uh, communicate with the fans and stuff like that, then I think we're just better trusting Bill and then the scouting team that's there. Which after the press conference today, which we'll probably talk about later on, uh, it seems we're doing that anyway. So it's we could probably save up a wage if we're going to go that way. Yeah, we I mean, go by the press conference today, as you, as you say. Um, Michael Beale said that the heads of the department are stepping up and you know, he'll take a lot of it on himself. James, do you think that's going to be enough? Because that would mean that if it was the heads of the department that were, you know, doing doing the, basically all reporting to whoever they're going to report to, you have to assume it's going to be Stuart Robertson, the chief executive. Do you think that that, that, that sort of system would work or, or do they need somebody sort of between him and the heads of the department as the, the director of football is or was? For me, I think when it comes to transfers and Grouton's actually signing players, Michael Bill's got to be the main man for me. He's the man that's got to, and I know he can't go out and scout everybody. Obviously, uh, he's got to have like, the scouting network behind him, but the be end and end all comes down to Bill. You know what I mean? It's his neck, it's on the line. If he brings in a player that he's not went out and watched and stuff like that, it will fall on him. Um, but for me, I think that um, the director of football and stuff like that, I'm not a big fan of it myself, but I know obviously clubs all over the world um, are now going down this road. But for me, it's got to be Bill. It's got to be the head man now for me, because if you look back to, you know, me growing up, I've, I've seen Jock Wallace. Would Jock Wallace have signed somebody that he didn't go and trust or see? Same with Walter Smith, Graham Soonis, these type of guys. It was their call, and I think Michael Beale has got to be the main man now to actually say, no, I want him or I don't want him. But for me, Graham, the problem with that is, um, and James is right, it's got to be the manager's call um, at the end of the day. But he he surely surely he can't be involved in the entire process because once he identifies the players, which he's done, I mean, as I understand it, He's identified players, which he's now passed on to Ross Wilson, and they've, they've spoke to these players, so hopefully they'll still come in, because he was quite confident that they would. It's a lot more complicated now to sign a player. I mean, in, you know, in, in, in our younger days, if you like, um, speaking for the older element on the pod tonight, um, it was a case of one manager phoned another manager and said, I want player X. How much do you want for player X? And they say, right, OK, give us that. They then speak to player X. Player X says, right, I'll take that. As a weekly as a weekly way, thanks very much, and the deal gets done. Now it's agents and it's image rights and it's this and it's that. It's far too much negotiating for, you know, for the manager just to do himself. In in my humble opinion, so I, I personally think they need they need somebody there a buffer between the manager and the CEO. As I say, the CEO, we do again. We don't know what Stuart Robertson does uh, on a daily basis, but I would imagine he doesn't really have the time to be sitting having a meeting with however many different heads of the department is because again we don't know that either you know is it half a dozen is it eight is it 12 is it heads of scouting is it head of transfers is it head of this is it head of that 
because everything you've got for the men's team, you've got for the B team and the academy, and you've got for the women's team as well. So, do you think we still need to bring in somebody, you know, to buffer all that? And as as David says here, being an ex-player is not a qualification for the position because there's loads of people taking taking the easy option. Christian Erlinger apparently got asked if he wanted it. There's people, you know, saying Davy Weir. To me, they're, they're the lazy option because they know the club. Yeah, for me, Davy Weir, if we could get him, I'd go for it. The job he's done at Brighton uh, under the, he was the kind of getting taught off uh, Dan Ashworth, who for me is one of the best in the business at being a kind of sporting director. He's now at Newcastle and Davy Weir took over the reins. If we could get Davy Weir, it costs a lot of money and I think he'd probably be enjoying himself down there as well. So it'd be hard to, for him to leave Brighton. But for me, I totally agree with what you said. It's a go between between the kind of CEO and the board and the manager. And the, the clubs that do it best for me are like your Ajax and Bayern Munich. They've got ex-professionals, but they've went through university and got degrees in sports business and all that kind of stuff. Because you've got to know the, the kind of transfer fee market, the salary, going rates, uh, agents, have a good connect with agents, uh, and know kind of the whole world basically for up-and-coming talent, all that kind of stuff. So it's an important job if it's done properly. And so David Weir, for me, would be a great shout, but unfortunately, I don't think we would be able to get him. I've seen a few people talk about Paul Mitchell, who's another one of my favourites. He was at Tottenham, uh, the Red Bull group, and then he's now just leaving Monaco after doing a good job. But it's, it's a hard one for us because our budget, uh, our league, it's quite hard for us to get the best in the business. But it's got to be one that kind of is... It doesn't have to be an ex-player for us. But you say that's kind of lazy, like Nerlinger. I don't really know much about his CV, uh, but it's got to be the right person uh, that can, can do it all and help the manager out. But you see, because it's, it's for a manager to be concentrating on training, picking teams, uh, forward planning. It's a lot for him to kind of go and do uh, transfer talks and all that as well. So it does help if it's done properly. Yeah, a wee comment, James Dalrymple. James, thanks very much for the, the phone and the super chat. Absolutely much appreciated. Really helps us a great deal. Uh, just clicked on, so don't know if it's been said, but do you think yeah, Matondo should get a start? We'll get we'll get to that. We've, we've not got any further than Ross Wilson leaving yet, uh, which I didn't plan spending 15 minutes talking about, but there you go. It's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So we'll move on. We'll move on from that because we'll, what will be with that will be um, we, we can't rush it, but we can't leave it too long because the transfer window is fast approaching. Um, it seems that Michael Beale is quite confident of still getting the players that, that he signalled. I mean, so, I saw a thing before we move off of this. I saw a thing on Twitter when when, uh, when it was announced that, he, that Wilson was going to Forest and somebody said, well, that'll be all our transfer targets going to Nottingham Forest. I would very much doubt it unless we had an absolute gem picked out because we're shopping, we're shopping in Aldi's and they'll be shopping at least in Waitrose and possibly higher than that just with the, just with the difference in budgets. I mean, they're... Even if Forrest finished bottom of the, bottom of the Premiership, they're, they're going to be getting over a, over a hundred million. You know what I mean? We can only dream about getting money left from the domestic league, so I don't think we need to worry about that. And I would also imagine there'll be clauses in saying he can't come poaching players' offers or, or poaching their targets or whatever. Uh, I mean, there was a couple of things in the chat about Kent, about Kent going to Forrest. It wouldn't surprise me because he's out of contract; he can go wherever he wants. Um, but we'll get back to Ryan Kent in a bit. So, James, I noticed the, the, yesterday or the day before that the the, Eng, the English football authorities have decided that they're going to ban gaming companies from sponsoring um, sponsoring clubs, you know, being, being, being shirt sponsors of clubs from, I think, 2026. Um, obviously, if, Scottish, if the Scottish football authorities bring that in, which at the moment they say they're not going to, but if they do, that, that would drop us right in the ship because our shirt sponsors are gaming. Um, are a gaming company. Mm-hmm. No, I 100%. It's, it's going to be a hard one because Scottish football does seem to follow English football, um, especially when they had VAR and stuff like that. It kind of it came in after um, they had got it. But it will drop us and it'll be, it'll be a case for whoever it is, like the marketing department or something, to go out there and find a gem somewhere that we can actually get back on uh, the shirts. So... Graham, do you think that um, that's, some, that's something that we'll, that we'll actively look at? Because, I mean, I saw that the quote from the, was it the SPFL, was that, that gaming companies put a lot of money into, into Scottish football and the clubs really, really rely on it. So do you think they will go down the same route as the English clubs? As, as James says, that we do tend to follow 
on what they do. We usually follow two or three years later, but we do normally follow what they do. Yeah, I think it'll, I think as it stands, they won't want to because obviously it brings a lot of money into Scottish football. You've got obviously William Hill, or you've got the majority of them actually sponsoring something to do with Scottish football. So at the moment, I think they'll be planning not to do anything about it. But I think I think it happened in Europe first and then England followed. And if that's the case, then Scotland will probably have to follow at some point because I think UEFA and I are trying to get rid of the kind of betting stuff. I've not read too much into it, but to, from, looking from the outside, that's what it looks like. But obviously, it's going to affect us. So again, having a sporting director, the CEO, they should be looking at stuff like this and kind of planning future sponsorships, uh, shirt sponsors, all that. That should be getting looked at probably in a road cycle, maybe three, three, four years of the contract. So again, that's another thing that should come under his that, that person's job. So hopefully, well, I disagree with. I disagree with that. I think I think it should be James Bisgrove is looking into that. Oh, you know, sorry, yeah. Kind of the commercial department, that's the sort of thing he should be doing. But again, it's something, I mean, this this is, this could be fairly major for Rangers. They've not come out and said a thing about it. I mean, I can't remember the last time we heard from Bisgrove. You know yeah, true. And for a while, he was the only person we heard from. Now we haven't heard a peep out of him. I mean, no. So I don't, he's doing, he's doing an okay job, but since he opened UM's house, we've not heard that, we've not heard the murmur out of him. So it'd be interesting to know what, what they're doing with that. But, um, Paul says here he thinks it's the main shirt sponsor. Sleeves are okay, so you could probably jiggle about what you've got a little bit, you know. But um, we don't know enough about that, so we'll, 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 move, we'll move on from that and get back to something particularly Rangers. And it was interesting that today, on the 14th of April 2023, the season ticket renewals dropped through the door, or into the inboxes, as we say. So um, there's a, a bit of an outcry about, about the, the, prices, the price increases on them. Um, I'm not, I'm I'm not too fussed because I I realised obviously I'm sensible enough to realise there was going to be a price increase, and I heard the rumour it was going to be five percent. And James, my ticket's gone up five percent. I don't know about any other part of the ground. So if it's five percent across the board, which I'd like to think it is, because I can't see why they would put different prices up different amounts. Do you think that's a that's a fair increase? Do you think they should have left them left them as they were? Do you think there's any way they could have left them as they were? I don't think they could have left them um, as they were. Um, obviously, if they're looking at what other targets and stuff like that, it's obviously going to go towards going for these players because obviously the club relies on the early season ticket money coming in. For myself, they've obviously went up. I sit in the, uh, the Brooklyn uh, rear with my daughter. Rangers were up to four eight six now, and hers were up to one three. Two or something, I think. Something like that. Um, and I had a wee quick look at it. Um, it worked the day. Um, for me, I'll pay it anyway. It does need to get to watch Rangers. I'll I'll pay whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, to continue to go. Um, but I just hope. I'm I'm hoping that they obviously use it, man. You can also get better players in uh, the door. Yeah. Um, Sharpie, the cost of a season ticket depends greatly on where you sit in the stadium. Um, I sit in CD1. My season ticket this next, for next season is £537. I've got a main, mate that sits in the main stand front. His season ticket's the thick end at 800 quid. So it's um, depending greatly on where you sit. Um, my daughter phoned me earlier. Her pal's, her pal's season ticket is whatever it is. And a friend of hers who sits 20 seats away is £120 cheaper. So I don't know how, I don't quite know how they, how, how, I think they do it by section. They're on the club deck. It's a CD1's. Slightly cheaper than CD two, which is slightly cheaper than CD three, and CD four is ridiculous. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how the rest of the stadium works, but I think it has gone up five percent across the board. Um, Graham, do you think that's do you think that's fair? Do you think that, that was realistic? Would you expect them to go up to go up more? I was personally expecting them to go up uh, just because I seen uh, last week that a lot of the English clubs uh, theirs has all went up, so I thought. We wouldn't be any different, but five percent—it doesn't seem too much when you look at the down south. I think there was a tweet I seen about Fulham; their season tickets are about three hundred pounds. So, and there's obviously London, so I can't imagine what the, the dearest or the cheapest ticket is for there. So, five percent. But I seen one of somebody in the comments saying no season ticket should go up after a potential your rivals winning, winning another potential treble, which I totally agree with. But it's. It's the times, isn't it? It's, it's, the club needs money to come through and 
the demand will be there, and I imagine eighty-five percent would probably renew it at that five percent. So it's business, but as it's it's not, it's not a good thing. You always like to see the club giving back to the fans, and the best way would, in my opinion, would be for us if I win in Rangers, and then the fact you can put it up at three percent. So hopefully next year, yeah. Yeah, Des Marston, three five-point donation. Thanks very much for that. It's much Again, much appreciated. Um, that just help, helps us get to where we want to be, so thank you very much for that. Don't forget, folks, we've also got a, a Patreon site. We're over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Rangers Rabble. There's loads and loads of other content. And the good thing about Patreon, you don't actually need to see us because it's all audio, so you don't actually need to look at my ugly mug when I'm on it, which is quite good. Um, yeah, back to, back to the season. I, I, don't, I don't think 5% increase... Is too bad given that, that everything else is going up by an awful lot of money. I mean, that's to me that's not not a great. Um, and it's always, it's always to me it's always the same at this time. People complaining it's going up, but it's it's got to go up even just to keep you know keep things level the way they are. Because I would imagine a lot of the a lot of the the services and things that Rangers are having to pay for are probably going up more than five percent. So I think it's it's quite fair. Um, I didn't re- I didn't realize the. The gulf and difference between the season ticket prices in different parts of the ground. I mean, some of the, the prices I've seen they are ridiculous, you know, um, for me. But that's just that's just the way it is. Um, it's it's difficult because you know, as, as James says, you want you know, you'll pay it anyway. There's going to be a demand. He'll pay it for him and his daughter. I'll pay it for me and mine, me and my daughter. Unfortunately, my daughter's no longer no longer a juvenile, so it's double bubble for me. But that's just the way it goes. She's still a student, so I'll still foot the bill for that. Um, I mean, there's somebody there's uh, Barry Turnbull. He's in the club deck. He's he's a hundred quid more than me. So he must have a better club deck seat than me. But still, it just shows you the, the the disparity in the same in the same sort of area of the ground, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the next thing we're going to, the next thing we're going to get through the door, obviously, is the majors and yours, which is going to be something else. But that will be something to talk about in a um, in a few um, a few podcasts time, I would imagine. So we'll uh, we'll spend a wee bit of time there talking about tomorrow's game because I think that's why we're all here. Uh, St Mirren tomorrow. Michael Beale pointed out he's played thirty one domestic games, but he hasn't played St Mirren yet, which is ridiculous when you think about it. I mean, we play everybody sort of three times before the split, and he's been here for. Well, best part of a third of a season, and he's no place to earn yet, which is which is absolutely mental. Um, so, Graham, what do you what do you think is what do you know about St. Martin's current form and what are you expecting tomorrow? I'm probably the worst person to ask about other teams' form because eh, I don't really follow Scottish football apart from Rangers. But eh, it's actually the last game I was at Ibrox eh, when Cholak got a double that day. Eh, so I'm hoping just for a, a win. Get confidence up, get into the semi-final. Uh, I don't really know too much about St Mirren, but it's a, as most of us would agree, at Ibrox we should be beating everyone. So I don't really hope to have much of a threat or being put in the, the back. Uh, so there's a part of me that kind of wants to see. There's a part of me wants to kind of see some of the youth players giving a shot. But like you said just before we come on, well, yeah, and I totally, I never really thought about it that way. We need uh, the minutes in some of the players' legs to get ready for the semi-final. So I, I take that back, but uh, it's a game. Just want to see the players go out, perform at their best, and try. And, I would like to see a three or four or five nil. We've not seen one of them in a while. Right, James, help us out. You must know a bit about St Martin because I don't. I know the square root of nothing about them as well. So it's not really a very good preview pod if nobody knows about them. So the only reason that I kind of know a wee bit about them was I was watching the news um, and I was, when I was eating my dinner when I came out through my work. So I know they're sitting, is it third, I think, in the league? Um, no, they're sitting, they're, they're, curr- they're currently sitting fifth. They're one point behind fourth place Hearts, who not that long ago were 10 points clear in third, which is ridiculous. I, I and they're three points that, behind Aberdeen. Um, they're three points behind Aberdeen, who are currently third. Aye. Um, I think Robertson, um, or, aye, um, he's building a good team at St. He seems to be getting them playing some good football. Um, I think he'd aim at Motherwell as well. Um, I believe that he was, I used to work with a big guy, uh, Ryan, um, and he was he was raving about him, saying that they were playing some good football um, at Motherwell. 
Um, and by all accounts, he's got uh, St Myrne playing some good football um, and obviously battling for a top six uh, uh, position, which is really, really good for a club like St Myrne to be up there battling for City uh, in the top six. Yeah, I think, Graham, I think they're, they're almost they're almost assured top six now, I think, with the, with the recent form. I'm sure I heard that I hear yesterday that the last six games have won three, drew two and lost one. It's some, something along those lines. I've not, I've not really checked that. So I mean, they are in quite a rich vein of form. I mean, they went to Hearts last week and dismantled them at Tynecastle, costing the, costing the manager their job. So they must have something about them. Yeah, that's, that's, actually, uh, it's actually surprising. Sorry, I didn't realise they were doing so good. Yeah, so. yeah as, Michael, as, as Michael says here, uh, Big Curtis May will cause our central defence problems. Uh, he's one of the players that you don't like come up against. He always seems to kind of put in a performance against us or, or cause one of, an injury at one of your players or gets the bad tackles. I think it was one up at Aberdeen when he played with Aberdeen at the time. Yeah, I think it was a Rebo, I think it was on. But uh, he's yeah. one of the players yeah. I don't like playing against. St Myrne was always one of the teams I, I kind of didn't look forward to going away from home because he used to always score quite early on against us and go ahead. But that happens quite a lot this year. But at Ibrox, I, I don't see any problems. As long as the players... Go out with the mentality that uh, there's a semi final in the horizon, need to put up their best performance. I don't see any problems tomorrow. Okay. James, do you, do you agree with that, particularly given that what we, we found out today that we've got a catalogue of injuries again? Um, just to refresh everybody, what the, what the manager said when he was challenging the, uh, the press conference about injuries, Goldson was out. We knew that anyway, because he said last week he wouldn't make St. Martin, but he might make Aberdeen and he should be back for the semi final. Take that with a pinch of salt if you want. We've heard it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, also out with Anokis, Yelmaz, Cholak, Wright, Jack and Kent. Now, do you think these are actually genuine injuries or do you think it's kind of, they're saying they're injured, they're saying they've got little knocks just to take them out the firing line and give them, give them a wee rest? I would hope that they're no injured because obviously that's the kind of guts of your first 11. The players, um, for me, even anyway, I, I would have been drafting uh, Ryan Kent anyway after last week's performance. I just, the, the, the boy went missing again last week. Uh, it's all right turning up against your sit-runs and stuff like that, but as I've obviously touched, I think, after the uh, the game against them, that you come to Rangers to play against that mob, and that's what you're, that's what you're rated on uh, when you come to us. Um, there is a lot of obviously players out the order, but the players that are on the bench, this is a chance for them to actually stake a claim for the semi-final now, and to basically say, right, I want to, I'm here, I'm going to stand up and be counted now. Yeah, I think, Graham, as we said as we said before we came on, I, I personally don't think there'll be that. I mean, there's Paul McGarrigal saying it's a great chance for, for Bill to rotate and spring a few shocks. The first name I see there, which is spelt wrong, but anyway, I can't see Robbie McCrory starting. I mean, he said today that Robbie McCrory will feature very soon. I can't see it being before Hamden because we have to win that semi-final and we need some sort of continuity before we do, particularly in defence. I mean, I mean, I get that Goldson's going to come back and Suter will probably miss out come the semi-final, but surely surely we keep Alan McGregor in goals at least until the game at Hamden. It's a tough one. Uh... I don't think it's as plain sailing as that because the third goal, if we if we've got a fit McCrory, he could maybe potentially get that ball and stop that. So that's playing in my mind. Where I think if we get McCrory this game and the other game before, and then he could potentially if he gets two clean sheets and maybe a couple of impressive saves, I wouldn't mind putting him putting him in the game. He played the old firm at Ibrox when we won one 0 or two 0 I think it was. Uh, got a clean sheet that day. He had a couple of good saves for Kyogo, one on one. So I don't think he's done much when he's played for Rangers to not have a wee bit of confidence in him. So I wouldn't be too against that decision. I think I'm hoping Ryan Jacks is just, he's played a lot of games recently. Bill actually said that in his press conference that he's played quite a lot. So hopefully it's just taking him out for one and then bringing him back in just to kind of recharge him uh, and give his body a wee bit of rest. But as James said there, I'm not too fussed about Kent missing. Uh, Ridvan, that's a worry. We've spent a lot of money on him and that's him getting another injury. It's just going to be a, a regular occurrence. So I'm hoping he's back and gets a, a, kind of, a lot of minutes in him so he can get his body up to speed with the Scottish game if he's going to be a, a future regular going forward. But 
tomorrow, I don't see, with the, even with the players out, I think, it's, as James said as well, it's a big chance for players like Batondo, eh, Haji even, to get minutes in, in press. So I'm kind of looking forward to tomorrow to see some fresh, a fresh team and see what they can they can do against St Man. Okay, so James, um, Graham, Graham mentioned the uh, the lesser sport of the Rabi Matondo. Would you be starting him tomorrow? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm no, I'm not one of these massive fans. I don't think. Um, I'm also not a big fan of Fashion Sakala either. But I think he's been one of our better players this year. He's been one of our most important players this year. So I think I would be starting Fashion either on the left or the right wing. Uh, the morning. But Tondo's, I, I don't know whether the boy's been carrying an injury, if it's confidence with him. Um, I, I just don't know because he came with us glowing report in Germany. That he was, I think I've seen a few of his highlights. He was getting the ball in the middle of the park, turning, beating three or four guys and either scoring or slipping a guy in to score. But it's obviously like Scottish football, you don't get as much room as that because obviously teams drop that deep that he can't use his pace to get in behind him. So I don't know if it's if it's just confidence with the boy because you know what it's like at Ibrooks the first couple of kind of runs. If you don't make it right, you don't do it. It's as if the fans are then jumping on his back and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if it's obviously the guy can he take the uh, the criticism when it comes. Can I just say that just before you... Uh, I'm not Matondo's biggest fan either. I actually wouldn't have signed him personally for what I knew about him before. But and to give him a wee bit of... Uh, uh, a positive side is he's not had many starts and especially at Ibrooks. so I think we've got to give him what, one kind of last chance and say like, go out and do something because again we spent money on him so we'll need to put him on the transfer uh, window as well if we're going to sell him so he needs to get minutes so teams can look at him and we can maybe get some money back so that's where I'm coming from with that one Yeah that's 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 the quandary Graham um, you know we need, we need to give the guy minutes because if he comes in and plays well for us, great. We've got to sell a player that we didn't think we had, and if he doesn't, we need to try and get we need to try and get somebody. To, we paid what three million pounds for. We need to try and get somebody to turn back on that, and we'll not get that if he's not if he's not playing games. Um, it's it's really really difficult. I mean, my my biggest concern tomorrow is who's going to be up front, who's going to be, be playing the striker, because for me, I thought Cholak was a shoe in, but Cholak's injured, so. Do you think he'll play Morelos or do you think he'll do what I wanted him to do last week and not play either of the two of them and stick, sorry James, and stick Sakala down the middle? Graham? Well, for me, sorry. Uh, I'm going through a curveball, but I wouldn't mind trying as Malik Tillman as a number nine. I believe he played quite a lot of games there for Bayern's second team, uh, which played in the Bundesliga 2 or the one below, so he was at a competitive level. So I wouldn't, I'd maybe try that just as an option and it could maybe allow us to get a Matondo or a Haji minutes alongside Cantwell and Raskin. So that's the kind of way I'm kind of looking at it. Maybe we've got to try stuff and it's a perfect game for me to try uh, Tillman as our number nine. Okay. James, do you, do you fancy Tillman as the number nine? Or I know you said you weren't a fan of Sakala. Would you like to see him maybe have a, a wee shot through the middle or would you just, just stick with Morelos? I would, uh, for me, I'd stick with Morelos because I still think he puts the, the fear into defenders. I don't care, you know what I mean, whether he's out of form or known, kind of stuff like that. I still think that having Morelos up front, there's more chance there. We'll score, maybe no him scoring, but if somebody's more concentrating on him, it frees up space for somebody like a Tillman to kind of burst forward um, to get into that uh, type of position. Touching on Tillman going up front, I think I said um, a couple of weeks ago I wasn't a fan of Tillman going up there because I don't think the boy's actually fun a position at Ibrooks yet. It might be that Bill goes with that the morning, makes me have an egg in my face or whatever. Um, but I think that leave, I, I, I want Tillman to come on leaps and bounds a day. I really, really want him to, to, to do well. Um, but I think just leave him on that kind of number 10 kind of role now. Um, and even just either Morelos um, up front for me um, and Sicardo um, on the wing. Okay, um, personally, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have Morelos anywhere near it tomorrow, but that's that's just me personally. I just don't think he's been. Yeah, I think he's been out of form. I would also have dropped Kent, but that's not an issue anymore because obviously he's injured. So it'll be it'll be certainly be an interesting team selection tomorrow, um, and then obviously going forward from that, we've got we've got Aberdeen, then we'll get the semi final. 
um, it's Graham. It's a, it's a it's a difficult one because as we said, be great be great to give some of the squad players some game time. But as Michael Beale said today in the press conference, we still have to win games of football. Yeah, I think if Rangers can't beat teams like St Mirren at home with players like Hadji coming in for minutes, Matondo, even like if we see some of the younger ones that I was saying before, like King, Divine, and uh, well, sadly probably not Alex Lowry, uh, but it would be great to see him back soon. Uh, if Rangers can't beat teams like St Mirren at Ibrox, saying we're doing something wrong. But uh, I, I wasn't thinking about the point you made about obviously the semi-finals on the horizon. Players need to get up to speed and get their, their best form uh, going into that. But I think there is still a chance you could maybe make two or three changes, which we'd like to see just a, a wee freshen up, especially after the fans are a wee bit down uh, after last week's result. And it gives them a wee bit of fresh, freshness and to cheer the team on and hopefully see players uh, gather a wee bit of momentum and give us a wee bit of confidence going back into these tough games at Aberdeen and then obviously the semi-final. Yeah, James. I think we, we're 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 a bit a bit unlucky because obviously after this, after the cup semi final we've got the split and the splits against the, the other teams in the top six. But our last two games before the split are against teams in the top six, so we've got no we've got no respite at all. You know, it's not like we're not we're not playing a Kilmarnock or a, a Dundee United or, or one of them. So it is going to be quite tough. And here's a point that Big Harry makes. Somebody said about Hadji bringing Hadji on to use his pace and if Hadji's got as much pace as a fat guy with chronic piles, which I think is quite a good description. So what do you, what's your, your take on Yanis Hadji? Does he start tomorrow? Should he be getting game time? Do we look to offload him? Has he got a future at the club? Um, well, f- for me, I've never been one of Hadji's biggest fans. I just, I think he's one of the players that he frustrates the life out of me. I think, you know, Folk always say it, man, what, oh, but what a pass he made and thing, but, I, but you didn't have to watch the last 12 passes that ended up miles away from somebody or the shots there, the bar and stuff like that. He, he's one of the players that, he's a luxury player, um, but he is, but, and I'm going to contradict myself here, right? He's one of the players that we probably do need, that is going to try that killer pass, that will try to, obviously, trying to shoot when we're all screaming, but... We pass the body death, we go side to side and stuff like that. Um, but I think for myself, I think Hadji would be one of the players I would be trying to offload in the summer. Um, uh, so I would, be, I would be trying to kind of maybe move him on. The, the more I, I would, be, I, I would um, be starting Scott Airfield, I can't see by Scott Airfield. I think what Scott Airfield brings to the team, that late burst into the box and stuff like that, you can't coach that. For me, and I think that that's that's something that the young players should be looking at. So, would you would you keep Scott Arfield around? Then, if you know, obviously he's one of the out of contract players. Would would you give him another another year, another another couple of years? Would you keep him about the place? I'd, I would give him another year's contract, but obviously, say to him, look, you'll not be playing week in week out. You'll be used maybe sparingly and stuff like that. The last twenty minutes of a game and stuff. If it's no going for us. Him bursting into the box in the last 20 minutes, neither we want to keep up with that. Do you know what I mean? You look at what he's done against Aberdeen, he comes off the bench, two goals, and we, we get away from Petodre with the three points, and didn't look as if we were anywhere near it that night. Yep, that's actually quite a good segue, Graham. Um, moving on from the players we might be getting rid of, let's have a wee chat about players that we could potentially be bringing in. Uh, somebody's just put up in the comments, it's Ross County nil, Aberdeen 1. And once again, it was Duke that scored the goal. And there's a few people calling for us to go in for Duke. Do you think? And do you know anything about the guy? Do you think we should? Uh, I know you're like me. You don't really watch anybody else, but apart from Man United, who I don't watch. But <laughs> uh, personally, uh, the game against us, uh, James was just talking about there. Arfield came on and saved us. He started off quite well in that game, and also scored a great free kick. So he's got the kind of technical ability, but it's a big step up uh, going for Aberdeen, playing in front of their fans and coming to Ibrox and playing in front of us. So I'd be a wee bit wary of it. Uh, again, it would come down to what tra- the transfer fee was. I wouldn't be paying anything over a million pounds, personally, from what I've seen. So if they were wanting anything over a million, obviously they've got good money for Calvin Ramsey. So they might be looking at that as a kind of standard or a... a transfer fee that they're looking for and then so I wouldn't be paying anywhere near that so that would be a no for me right. 
Right, James, would it be a no for you, or do you fancy the boy, the boy Duke? Do you think he would score goals for Rangers, or would he be a waste of money, or would you bring somebody else in as a striker? Because we're going to need at least one, possibly two. I think, I think, um, depending, as Graham says, on the fee, um, I wouldn't be going there to Aberdeen off them three and four million pound because I wouldn't want to get Aberdeen anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him a lick of my whatever, um, my number twos. Sorry. Um, I wouldn't be able to go and boost their finances for any reason. Um, but as Graham says, maybe about a million pounds and stuff like that. He does look a good player from what I've seen. Obviously, I don't watch a bit like yourself, so I only watch Rangers. Um, so I've not seen enough of him to see. I've only seen him against us, scoring the goals and stuff like that, and a free kick um, against us. But no, I would be like to think, mate, he has a player that I think that he might be on Bill's radar. Okay, so there's a comment from Finfogel. If you want to win trophies, dross like Duke, Van Veen, etc. aren't anywhere near good enough. Now, I, I tend to agree with that, but I think as a support, we can be quite snobby at times and think, well, you know, players from other Scottish clubs just aren't good, aren't good enough for Rangers. But let's be honest, we have to, that's the sort of market we should be looking at. You know, we've got, we've got to be looking to, looking around, looking around the leagues and see, seeing what we can get. I mean, I mean, Graham, you, is there, I mean, there's been there's been calls in the last week or so, Lawrence Shanklin or or uh, the, the lad Nisbet at Hibs or, you know, do you, do you think that picking somebody up from the Scottish market is the way we should be going or or as James, or you, you both said, do you think that the chances are the club's the club concerned we just try and hold us to ransom because it's Rangers? Yeah, I think for me... Also, we've had successes from Scottish football, but I think the days are kind of almost gone. I think Lewis Ferguson would have been a squad player for us in, at the price uh, that Aberdeen would have wanted. I, I still don't think it was value for money. Obviously, he's doing well in Italy, but it's a different step up for belonging at the Rangers as well, in my opinion. I just don't think he's better than Raskin, Cantwell or... Ryan Jack for me, so it'd be a, we're spending three million pounds for a player that's going to be a squad player, maybe at best. So I think it's got to be the right. There will be occasions when there is the right one, but unfortunately, this is probably the lowest this league's been in a long, long time for me. Uh, a lot of, that's why I don't really watch any of the games because I think the actual quality is below, very below standard. Uh, so and for me, I watch a lot of European football and I, I can see better value for money. And young players like in Denmark, uh, probably even Holland, countries like that, and even South America, which I believe now I've kind of looked into it a wee bit. I believe it's actually easier for us to get South Americans and Asians and Africans because they kind of Brexit and work permits stuff. So I built in that making a markets where you can get good young players and then hopefully start a proper uh, transfer uh, player trading model and sell uh, buy small sell big. So I'd be kind of concerned about that rather than the Scottish game. Okay, well, fin finishing up on, on, on Duke or Lopez or whatever the guy's name actually is, according to Aldo, there's a stats, 32 matches, 15 goals, 2 assists. That's not bad in anybody's language in any league, to be fair. Um, but James, go back to Michael Beale's press conference of, of earlier today when he said that the, the players that he's, that he's earmarked and that he spoke to Ross Wilson about before he left and that he's quite they're quite, quite far down the road on, um, he says, if he, if they manage to come in, you'll see a direct link, and it'll be a very obvious link to him as a coach, which which to me would infer is that it's players that he's been involved with before. Um, I saw somebody in the comments there said said Lyndon Dykes. Do you think that that's a possibility, or you know, would it be somebody else from a club he's been involved with? You know, be it QPR, be it um, Liverpool. Somebody in the group chat earlier even said Chelsea and, and San and San, pa uh, San Paolo. I can't really see it being in because that was that was a number of years ago he was there. I can't really see that being. But do you think it, you know he'd maybe be going and plundering QPR or maybe maybe even going to Villa? Um, I'd obviously seen that um, somebody had also put up in one of our chats that um, they'd be dreaming of people like I can't even remember the two names that the guy put up. Um, I think it was it was it Cameron or something along the lines that somebody put up. 
I leave 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 a couple of names in from Villa, but I can't remember who they were, and I don't know any Aston Villa players, so I can't. It was Lee. I didn't pay much attention to it. I, I would hope no that it's no Dykes. I just I I don't rate the guy either. I just think he's one of the players. He's good at a club that just lumps the ball up, and he can get flacones and he deals and stuff like that. Whereas I don't think Beal's into that type of football. I know he played him at QPR. Um, I just don't think he would suit your your style of play. I think Bill's looking for the kind of the striker to be busy and running about and running in behind and stuff like that. So I think it might be players along those lines that he'll be going for. There you go. Somebody's been in a group chat. It was Willick, Willick and Archer. Um, yeah, Graham, do you, do you know anything about these guys? Because I've, I've heard the Cameron Archer, but I couldn't do anything about them. I believe Cameron Archer's playing tonight just now for Middlesbrough. He's in loan from Aston Villa. He's uh, one of Kerr's favourites. Uh, he is, he's a good goal scorer. He's played it, I think, under 21 level at England as well. So he is, he's a good player. But my problem and worry is that the budgets, I think it will be your Lyndon Dykes and players like that ilk rather than these kind of young, uh, hot prospects that remember cost a bit more. So that's my worry. But there is, there's a lot of players like Ethan Laird, he's had a, a QPR, he's a, a, a brilliant young right, right back. But again, that's not really a priority. But there, there is players in the middle. The team we brought through at Chelsea, uh, he was responsible for quite a lot of their good players like Mason Mount. Also, we're not going to get him. But he was in that, that was the time he was at Chelsea, he kind of coached them. So he has, he's been a, a lot of the good clubs, Liverpool, like you said. So there's a lot of good, exciting players that he could be in, uh, looking at. But my problem is the budget and the time that we need to get it done is for also the Champions League qualifiers. So I think it might be kind of quick, easy ones in rather than kind of prolonged chasing players, which is my yeah. worry. Your man Cameron Archer's got himself an assist tonight, so I've just noticed that Middlesbrough's one up. He provided the assist, so there you go. There's another probably another hundred grand on his on his fee or whatever, whatever they're going to get for him. Um, but no, just what you said there, the manager alluded to the fact that he's going to be hopefully bringing in players, getting his business done early, because we really need that. Because as you say, you know, the European qualifiers are coming, I think it's beginning of August, so we really need to have them in and embedded in before then. Um, James, are you a believer that rather than signing squad players, which is, which is what we're going to have to do, because we're going to have to beef up the squad, do you think we should possibly be looking at promoting some of the the youth players on a permanent basis or you know do you think it's maybe too soon for, maybe too soon for the youth players we've got we the name we've got a few guys out on loan as well um obviously i'm no the, the kind of players I'm, I, I, that i can know about aim um, for the youth is obviously players like your lowry's and your divines and stuff like that that are already in and around the first team for me i think lowry is a fantastic young prospect and i think he needs to start Proving now, he's obviously at that age now where he should be knocking on the door now and saying, I want a shot, I want to be here. I Obviously, I know what the young man's gone through just now and it's obviously tragic. Um, and I just hope that he can get back um, and he has battened down Bill's door because when he has played for us, he looks at like an actual match winner. He's no scared to take a ball. And that, there's something, I'm also going to compare him to somebody here. I think he's got a touch of like the ball Gascoigne's about him where he's no scared to take a ball in a tight situation, look up, and run at people, and that's what puts the fear of death into defenders. Is somebody running at them? And he can obviously he's got great quick feet, and I think he's a perfect player to play in that number ten role. Yeah, Graham. I think uh, James. I mean, you know, I agree with James. Alex Alex Loud is a, a prodigious talent. He's a, he's been really really unlucky this season. I mean, he got that he got that injury after that horrific tackle against the Barton in that. Um, in that um, Challenge Cup game back at the start of the season, when I still it still mystifies me why he was still on the park deep into stoppage time when we were seven nothing up, and then he comes back from that. Apparently his attitude wasn't too great. They sort that out, and then he has a a family bereavement. I mean the guys had absolutely no luck at all. So hopefully, as James said, next season, you know, in the summer we can kind of embed him into the into the first team, give him some preseason stuff, and you know. Um, Get him, get him settled as a first team player. Same with get Adam Devine in there. Is there anybody else in the youth team that you're aware of that you think maybe you maybe make a step up rather than going to blow the budget on on players just to beef the squad up? 
There's one, uh, a midfielder I'd like to see getting a chance next year. He's been on loan at Partick Thistle, is Cole McKinnon. Any time I've watched the B team, uh, he's been one of the best players. He's got, I believe it was him that scored the winner at Parkhead uh, last season. I can't remember if it was a cup final or a league game, but it was a late winner. Uh, and he's box to box midfield. I think he could be a, a squad player. As long as their problem is, I don't think we give the correct minutes in the correct situations in game time for our young players. There's a lot of players like Kai Kennedy, Stephen Kelly, I believe, that could have had a lot more minutes when we're 2 3 4 nil up and comfortable. Uh, we've been giving them minutes, but we haven't in the past. So I'm hoping a new change like next season we see a Rangers team go out, and, especially at Ibrox, in 2 3 now up at half time and we can get young players more minutes and more comfortable in the first team uh, playing at Ibrox. And another one is Zach Lovelace. I think his performances in the B team, I think obviously he's still very young, but if you've ever seen him, uh, he's a man. He's, he's got that kind of Wayne Rooney uh, look about him. He's a man in a boy's a boy's age, uh, but I think he's ready uh, for minutes again next season. A good pre-season with the first team. I think that's going to be a, a crucial pre-season next year is for fitness-wise and getting to see Lovelace, uh, Cole McKinnon, Adam Devine, another one, and Leon King, getting his confidence up after being out a wee while. Plus, it was, he played a lot of minutes in a lot of heavy defeats, especially in Europe. So, we need to rebuild his confidence because I don't want us to forget about him. So, I think he has a, a, a super talent as well. Yeah, go back to Lovelace. Lovelace is massive. I met him after the youth game um, in Amsterdam before we got beat by Ajax, and he's absolutely massive. Um, and you're right, he needs to get more minutes. But James, I think Graham touches on a good point there, that in the recent past, we haven't we haven't given young players that have been on the bench minutes when we've been 3, 4 and 5 up, at, or 2, 3 or 4 up, whatever, at home. Um, do you think, because we've now got five subs to use, and we haven't done it this season because we've not been putting teams away, if we can get a team that's more clinical, we can actually give these guys some minutes. I definitely, and I'm always a great believer that bring these guys on when you're three and four nothing up because if you if they can't do it with no pressure on them, they'll never do it when the pressure is on them for me. Um, but I would we I, I totally agree with Graham. We do need to start bleeding in more new. Eh, sorry, our youth players because for me one of my pet hates is bringing a young guy in for another club gain him game time, making him a player, and then, he, and then he just goes away. He goes back to his parent club, and obviously then that parent club then going to make millions off him. Um, but no, it's time that we obviously start to bleed worrying young players into the team now. Yeah, I agree with that. I, mean, I, I, watch, a bit of the, I watch a bit of the B team when I can. Uh, it's difficult for me from up here, but I do watch, watch a bit of it when I can. Um, and we won't get started on the fixture clashes because that, that really grinds my gears when the games are all getting played at the same time. That really annoys me as well. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh, also noticed today that the upcoming Youth Cup final has been announced as being on the 3rd of May. And as per, it's, it's, uh, not, it's not going to be open to supporters because, probably because they just can't be, they can't be bothered paying the police up, which I can understand. Uh, which is disappointing because it's good for the kids. I mean, I was, I, mean, I was lucky enough to be at the B-team game at Ibrox when in front of a, a fairly healthy crowd. And okay, yeah, we got we got, we got shown up a bit, but it's still good for the players to be playing in that sort of environment, that sort of atmosphere with those sort of sort of crowd. So that's a bit that's a bit disappointing, but we'll touch on that a bit nearer the time. Hopefully we hopefully we can get a bit of a presence because of the, the support of all the all the guys on here, the guys on Patreon. Hopefully we can maybe get a, a BBD invite into that and at least get to cover the game. Um so that's us touching up on the hour. So it's uh I thought we'd maybe struggle to get an hour out of this, but I think we've, we've done we've done really well. So before we go, guys, um, we need a score prediction for you from tomorrow, and in true Ramble fashion, a first goal scorer as well. Please, Graham. I'm going to go with three now, and Malik Tillman first goal scorer. Okay, and James. I'll go four nothing in fashion. Sakala first goal scorer. Okay, can't argue with that. And I'm not going to give you a prediction, that's why I'm the host. Um, I was going to say, I, would, uh, I guarantee it'd be Rangers, a scoreline, opposition nil. <laughs> oh, it's got to be the opposition nil. Rangers, Rangers don't concede goals. They, they really don't concede goals. It would be actually nice to keep a clean sheet for a change. But if I'm pushed, I'll agree with James. I'll go for 4 nothing to Rangers. First goal scorer, just to make up for last week, John Suter. There you go with a wee header. So there we go. We'll have a have a bit of that. I actually fancied him for a goal last week when I knew he was playing because he likes scoring against them, but unfortunately that didn't go too well. 
Anyway, that's that's uh, that's us for tonight. Um, as I said earlier, folks, we've got the um, we've got a lot more content over over on Patreon. Have we just stick Rangers Rabble into your Patreon search engine, and you'll find us. It's only three quid a month or something like that, which is great. You don't need to look at us; it's all audio, so you can listen to it where you're running or cooking or doing whatever it is you do. Um, if the YouTube's your thing, great. We'll be back on Monday. Martin promises me the phone, and I'll still be up and running on Monday. So. That'll be good. Get yourself on the four lines for that. All that's left for me to do tonight is to say, Graham, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. I enjoyed it. It was good to be back on me, Will. And it was good to James, meet you. James, thanks a lot. Thanks very much, guys. It was good to meet you. It was uh, good to meet you. And to everybody in the in the chat, thanks a lot for coming along. Don't forget to spread the word to folk that aren't believers. And here's to a good one to the Rangers tomorrow. And we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Podcast Network.